Hello there. <laughs> <We're>, Hello there. <laughs> we're just winging it. Yes, we are. Can you imagine was, the people who were listening for the first time? I was trying my NPR voice, yeah. Oh, that's what that was. Can you imagine listening to a podcast where they start with, hello there? Yeah. Just just out of the blue, and then the happened. person responds with, oh! Unless I decided to edit that out, it, that is what you just heard. Yeah. Uh, which You're of keeping course, that, John. Oh, yeah. I mean, anything that requires more work for me is not going to happen. Yeah, that's staying in the episode. It is. I hope you all enjoyed it, though. Y'all. Yeah. Y'all. I hope y'all did. Hey, man, how you doing? Oh, How's your Friday going? Friday. I'm feeling good. It was, yeah. it was, you know, a lot. It was, it was a compressed week because we had Monday. Monday is like this weird day, right, where it's not a holiday for everyone. Some right. of you know it as Columbus Day. Some of you know it as Indigenous People Day. Some of you don't have the holiday at all. And uh, we technically don't. <clears throat> and so it means that, you know, other people are working, which means, like, <laughs> we have to catch up when we come back, right? Yeah, yeah, we we've never had that off at our workplace, but our kids always have it off, and it's and it's every single year it's this like oh shit that's right it's time yeah. for Columbus slash Indigenous Indigenous Peoples Day. It's also one of the only holidays that starts an argument everywhere. <laughs> like I, I, you know what I mean? I, I'm I'm like just just call it what you want to call it. Let's like not fight about it. Like even when I was you know I I, I went to go pick up my, my car was in the shop earlier this week and some getting some work done. Yeah, and um and I went to go pick it up and they're like oh actually uh, you know you can't come on Monday because it's Columbus Day. Or should I say Indigenous Peoples Day? Am I right? Oh, I'm like, oh, said why it does it have to become attitude. a thing? Just call. Yeah. I'm not going to call you a racist because you call it Columbus Day. Just call it right. Columbus Day if you want. I'm going to call it Indigenous Peoples Day. But I also don't want to be like called out for that. You know, I don't want it to become a fucking flame war. But we live <laughs> in a culture where like everything is a fucking detonating button. And I'm just so tired of that. You no, know, I'm with you, man. Totally. And that is actually one in particular that I've felt that way about, too, um, because in a way, I feel by recognizing it as Columbus Day and holding all of that, you know, the idea that it's like someone who, you know, came and committed atrocities against the indigenous people here. Um, but someone who also was this enterprising explorer who like did did discover, um, I, you know, I think holding it all uh, and recognizing that, I don't know, in my mind, there's like a reason for to do that, to, to like feel all of that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's a whole other. Well, it's part of the history of our country and where we come from and, you know, the complicated legacy that we have, which is nothing that can be talked about in black and white terms. And that's why the fact that people are fighting about this shit all the time means that, like, you, you never have productive conversations about what it actually means, the fact that we recognize Columbus as, like, this quote-unquote father of the country in the first place, when, like, you know, he came here by accident and, you know, did all these bad yeah. things. Yeah. But, like, also, like, he did, you know, basically establish contemporary Western Europe's tie to the New World, which led to the colonization of it, for better or for worse. You know what I mean? Like, there's, it's yeah. complicated. But, but it is. like, when you live in a culture where, like, everything has to be a soundbite or a headline... Like what, what? What percentage of people would you say, John, read only the headlines on articles on the internet? Oh my God! If I had to guess, there's got to be studies about this, and now I'm really curious. But of the adult population, um, seventy percent. Yeah, I don't know. I'm one of those people. I, I basically, unless somebody's like read this, then I might still not even do. I might just read the headline. But that's such a I problem. Mean, that's but the like, thing, you know. Yeah, and like I, I'm, ve I'm guilty of doing that frequently as well. I mean, everything's designed to get headlines in front of you that you might engage with, which in engage in, in you know, sort of um, mobile phone terms is like you've you've stopped scrolling, <laughs> right? You know, they don't care necessarily that you've clicked it. So, 
I, I've certainly been guilty of that too. Um, but I mean, I think if we can sort of like balance that with a healthy measure of actually reading some stuff, you know, either mm-hmm. occasionally clicking them and reading or just get your, you know, have a source. Like certainly New Yorker has been that, you know, for me for ages, just in terms of getting more depth on things that I otherwise would never even choose to read about. Um, but like, yeah, we all have a ways to go. We do. Yeah. We have, we have a lot to work on, uh, as a, as <laughs> which a is not at all related to this topic, but I mean, you know, that's, that's where we're at right now, folks. That's true. And in some ways, I think maybe it even is a little bit related oh. to this topic. We're, we're going to get to, but Hey, before we get to this topic and before I start sounding like an old person, complaining no, we about have social to, media again, yeah, please. We, we hung out you and I, Oh my uh, God. Basically accidentally right after we recorded our previous episode. So I'm going to, I'm going to give a quick little story please about how this share, happened because it was, it was just, it was, it was magic actually, to be it honest. It was truly magic. And it was, it was so fucking weird. So basically long and the short of it was I, I went back to, to where our office is, to Boston, uh, because I had a friend that I wanted to visit who was kind of struggling with COVID, it, not not with the disease, but just with loneliness, you know, living alone. So I was like, oh, let's get together. So I drive all the way there, uh, show up. He had double booked Three me hours. with a, a Tinder date. Yeah, literally driving fucking, you know, through uh, Boston rush hour traffic from the, you know, from a different state. Uh, which was just great. So, you know, I, I get there and I kind of like hang out for a little bit and then I'm like, well, clearly I need to leave because I'm not here as part of his Tinder date that he arranged. And, uh, and I, I miss my wife and kids and it's Friday and I want to get back home. So I'm like going back to the car and then I get a text from John Abdullah, which is of course a fart joke, which I just appreciate, you know, I, I, I'd say probably 40% of the traffic to my phone is people sending me memes <laughs> that involve farts. So this was one of those. And from my point of view, this was yeah. simply, you know, out of the blue, I was on my way home from, from an event. Um, where some colleagues, we got together, and it was the first time I had actually done anything social with people I work with in person, right? Not just like a virtual event, um, which seems bizarre to me that we hadn't done this sooner, but anyway. Um, so it I was does there, seem bizarre. And I had just left. Um, totally unbeknownst to me, you know, Patrick was in the area. Um, I had sent a text as I was waiting for a train back home that night. Um, and to be clear, I mean, I think it's worth sharing the specifics of that, which was just a screenshot of a headline <laughs> for <laughs> for a new guitar pedal that has a whole Kickstarter campaign behind it and the pedal makes fart noises, which, you know, I, I didn't actually click it and uh, certainly I haven't bought one. I suppose I should because it sounds amazing, but that's what I sent to you. Yeah, I honestly didn't click it either. I've I've thought it was a joke meme this entire time and I did that, not know there was a Kickstarter a behind it. That is a real thing with a Kickstarter, yes. At least maybe, I don't know, I haven't clicked it. Maybe it was just a fucking Yeah, again, meme. symptomatic of the fact that we're not even reading anything in the first place. But <laughs> anyway, you know, in, in, the, in the interest of safety, uh, I decided I would call him instead of texting because I was getting back in my truck to come home. And, uh, and I, you know, and I call him and he's like, Hey, I'm actually like with these work people right now. Did you know this was going on? I'm well, like, you, were, you called basically in tears, right? Cause you had just, you know, Crying, made this trek and you wailing, you, right. Yes. You, you made that trek and weren't able to really hang out as much as you would expected. So right. you're on and your way home, just devastated in a pool of tears in a, literally in a pool. And, you know, remember this is coming from the, a classic extrovert who has been starved for friend time you know, during COVID for the last, I don't know how many years it's been now. We'll say it's been 10 years. I don't know how, how long COVID has been going on. Uh, 11 years, something like that. So, you know, so I called John and, and he's telling me that he just is leaving. He's going over to the train, but he just saw these people from work 
And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like a mile and a half away from you, right? I just, it just hadn't even occurred to me that that would be an option. So, of course, he comes back. I drive over there and I get to like see him and all these people from work that I haven't seen for an actual like 19 month period at this point. And we hung out. We saw each other and it was, you know, a moment out of a movie where we both just saw each other from a distance and started running into each other's arms. Yeah. Well, and then stopping because of COVID. So so from far away. And then there was yelling. like a camera person that was just rotating around us as we were hugging. Yeah, it was just a steady cam. It was very beautiful. Some Great music. Epic yeah. score by uh, <laughs> Hans Zimmer. Know, Hans Zimmer. Was, yeah, That's Hans who Zimmer, I was yeah. thinking, but I couldn't. <laughs> his name was escaping me. Um, it was really a magical moment. It was, yeah. But but getting to see you and getting to see coworkers again, you know, we just hung out outside in this like beer garden. It was just uh it was just it was just wonderful. And of course, you know, my plans then shifted because I was like, Well now I'm with, you know, friends again. I I, I need to maximize the time so we got to hang out i drove you back to your place we took the roof off the jeep we were just like hanging out uh you know we picked up your bike i dropped you off and then i'm like hey i'm in town you know i got there's like other friends here so i of course like start just showing up outside people's houses <laughs> literally like a stalker and this in a point, hollywood yeah, movie what was like 11 or something at that it's like 11 30 and i'm taking pictures of people's houses from outside on the street and scaring them. So, you know, then I get invited in, then we hang out until like, you know, 1230 in the morning. And oh, I'm like, whoa, man. I am not in the right state. And I have to remember that. So I, and long story short, this is what happens when an extrovert gets to see friends again. He hasn't seen in a long time. I got home at like three in the morning that just, night. Just totally drunk on friendship. Oh, yeah. I was so like, I, I mean, I like my, my friends, you know, I went to Devin and Abby's house afterwards mm-hmm. and, and they were like, uh, you know, you you need coffee or something, right? Like it's like it's like almost <laughs> one in the morning, and you have to drive back to Connecticut. And I was like, I can't tell you what an infinite energy source getting yes, to see friends yes. has been tonight. I was like, I got home, I didn't fall asleep till probably five in the morning, and then I woke up at like seven when the kids got up, and I was fine. I was like going totally normally. Everybody's uh, just, just like, what's wrong with dad? <laughs> like, what's up, guys? How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> but I really, I really missed that a lot, and it was, uh, it was just great to see you and get to like, you know, just see see friends I haven't seen in such a long time again and catch up on stuff. And I really feel like uh, optimistic that we're we're gonna keep keep doing that. You know, there's definitely a hunger for it. I think. Oh my god, I I just really just to underscore it all and continue this love fest, I guess that no one probably is enjoying. Yeah, everybody's turned um, this off. No, but to be to be totally honest, you know, I just can't rec- recognize and recommend enough to everyone who's listening. Um, I, I just feel like I took for granted the meaning that being, you know, physically connecting with people, um, that sounds dirty, um, has. Sexual. Very sexual. Um, and, and like not having it for so long, you know, I work at home every day. Obviously, I connect with my family and other people who are local and whatnot. But, um, man, I missed you. I miss seeing people at work. I missed having conversations. You know, like, we're not, (laughs) I would dare say, even the introverts among us, like, we're not wired for for this kind of life um, long term. And, you know, I just hope you're all taking care of yourselves and getting some time. And and if there are people that, you know, maybe you think you're okay just sort of connecting virtually with, um, but you have the opportunity to connect in person, I, I would really recommend uh, giving it a shot because it, give it a shot, even yeah. if you're an introvert. Because I, I know for a fact that some of the people there were introverts. Oh, absolutely. We talked about it. I mean, we have each other's fucking Myers Briggs scores. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's true. And I, and I just like it, they were so funny because they're like sitting there just like eating their fries and smiling quietly, being like, "It's yeah. just nice to sort of be here." But you know, uh, this morning actually on NPR, I was uh, 
you know, where I go beyond the headline. Let's be clear. Let's, you know, where you, you also know. do some podcasting, right? And I turn NPR. into a, a chameleon. Yes. Like Hi Rizdal. Uh, the, there were, there was an article with this like social psychologist where she was talking about this exact thing that we're talking about, which is mm. how important it is to still try to get physical time together with people because of evolutionary reasons. So you heard it here first, folks. This is hard hitting journalism beyond the headlines. <laughs> thank you very much. So when people are together in person, uh, if we're like gelling and having a conversation, our brain waves actually shift to sync up. So like the actual like sinusoidal rhythm of electrical activity in our heads gets closer together. So when you say to somebody, oh, you know, we just like we're on the same page or we get each other, we're in sync. Like we're actually physiologically in sync with each other. Absolutely. And that's something that studies show doesn't happen even on Zoom or something like that. So that's why, you know, when we're, you know, talking virtually all the time, it doesn't feel, even though it's nice to see each other and it's nice to text each other, you know, fart pedal jokes and things. Of course. Like those things do, they're important parts of the fabric of modern life. But that physical time together is something that actually alters your brain chemistry in the moment and allows you to feel more connected for the same evolutionary reasons that allowed us to escape predators together mm. back in prehistoric times, you know, for the same reasons Absolutely. that allowed us to start early civilizations on agricultural, you know, journeys. I mean, yeah, that's you know? our distinct feature, right? As a species that we can um, connect and work together in, in, at scale in a way that no other species can. I mean, yeah, it's and really I think we feel that incredible. when we see each other again. You know, like there's that sense of of we can do we can do anything. And yeah, and losing that sense for so long has been has been shitty. But anyway, um, <laughs> shall we move on? I mean, we'll do the best we can. We're not in person, but we'll do it. We're gonna do it. I'm still feeling. You know, I gotta say, John, the first person I thought of when they said that was you. I gotta say, when when they were like, you know, when when you just kind of click with somebody, because I feel the same. Because like the reason people might have forgotten this at this point because we've been doing this podcast since the late 1900s, but uh, which isn't actually that long ago, late 1800s, we'll say. Um, you know, this started because we were just talking so much at, you know, we would get lunch together and we just like, wouldn't be able to shut up. Cause we'd be just like making I jokes mean, again, and talking about movies. The first moment we met, met eyes, the music started playing. Yeah. Hans Zimmer knew. was, was like, let me score this. <laughs> I don't know why he's from Latin America all of a sudden. And, uh, but yeah, but, 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 you know, that sense of humor that we have together and the fact that we can like make each other laugh and make each other feel appreciated, even though we can give each other shit like that kind of that, that gelling, uh, is something that I really appreciate. Oh about man. You, the show, I, so. you know, I, I really, I value it so much and I hope that again, <laughs> I know this is a love fest between the two of us, but I hope in listening to this, you know, that yet you, you have people in your life who you really feel that way with right and I, and, and can focus more energy there because, it's a special thing when you find people who, um, you know, you really connect with at that level, right? Where it's not yeah. even like about what you say. It's just like the word. The, I don't know where I'm going with that. Well, it makes you feel um, less alone because you're processing the world in, in similar ways. But hey, listen to this. Okay. Please. I have a hard cutoff coming up for the most appropriate reason. Is that also I could. a dirty thing? What, what? That is also, yeah, you'll find out physically right. next time. Um, so we have a piano tuner coming today for the first time in a long you time. Do? So our piano's out of tune. Yeah. Oh, tuner, tuner. I thought you said tutor, but that's still exciting. No. That would have been more appropriate. Yeah. But no. We had that done during home. the course of the pandemic not too long ago either. The tuning. Yeah, because our piano yeah. we had never tuned and like we'd gotten it several years ago, but since no one was really using it very much. Um so, but, 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 uh, <laughs> But you had never tuned happened. it? Looney Tunes there. Uh, you had never gotten it tuned. We hadn't because we no one was really using it. 
For yeah, but it still goes out of. I mean, look at pianos you find in a fucking shed somewhere. Like that sounds oh, no, like no, no, garbage, no. right? I don't, I don't um, disagree with you at all. But we wanted to wait until someone in the house oh, so was actively. Okay, I got you. Okay. Because it just wasn't like we weren't motivated. Is all I'm saying. I got it. I got um, it. Okay. But then all of a sudden, pandemic. You know, more time. I was practicing guitar. Bethany wanted to practice piano, and so. We got it tuned, and of course now Grace is doing piano lessons, which we're going to yeah. talk about. Yeah, well, that's um, what I was thinking. This but, is working out. This is working out really well um, because the, the piano has been, you know, a, having a piano in, in my house growing up was a pretty central point of like my lifetime as a kid getting into music and stuff. And that same piano is the one that's in our house now because my wow. parents gave it to us when we moved. How cool um, is that? It is so cool. And so, you know, that same piano has kind of accompanied me my whole life. And there's marks on it from when I played it as a kid with umbrellas and shit, you know. Sorry, mom. Um, but, you know, it's it's really it's really cool. But anyway, yeah. So today we're going to talk a little bit about about teaching uh, kids music and about what that experience has been. I, I, as we were preparing for this, you know, we have some like materials to go through. But also I was thinking about my own journey as a as a professional musician and like how it started as a child. And how that has, I think, uh, really shaped the way that I'm fucking awful at teaching it to my own kids and why I'm trying to be better about it. But so I guess before we do, though, this, you know, this was your idea. This is something this is an episode that you've been kicking around for a long time. So so why is that? Why is this something mm. that is on your mind? I mean, it's so cool to be able to 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 like um, have this conversation now with the perspective that I have, which I had not had even a year ago. Um, which is like a new, you know, sort of um, student myself to music um, and to playing. Um, and in my case, you know, the instrument is guitar, which I've talked about on the show um, since really last November. I started picking up and I've practiced, you know, I mean, with only a few exceptions um, every single day. Um, and it has been just more rewarding than I ever imagined. Um, and the fact that, you know, we can have this conversation and I actually like know even a little bit <laughs> about music, um, I know, you know, makes me feel, uh, better, but I, you know, the, the motivation is, I guess, a fewfold in that, first of all, we, we had done an episode a long time ago about music, um, but it didn't, you know, it sort of scratched the surface and our, our we both have a passion for music in a variety of ways. You know, certainly I've been, um, passionate about, you know, listening to music and particular, uh, music that resonates with me, but um, now, you know, digging a little bit more into playing and, and learning more about your story, right? I mean, you are someone who is a musician and have been musical since you were, you know, born, it sounds like, um, because Hans Zimmer was there at your birth as well. He was scoring that. He was in the background. Yeah. Actually, when I came out, there was a steady cam going around my mom. It was super <laughs> weird. Um, and Hans Zimmer was scoring that. A lot of horns. A lot of horns. A lot, a lot of horns. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I think that it, yeah, I'm really excited to hear more about your story and how you got into it because I think we both come from very different backgrounds in that sense that, you know, I have had just no exposure as a kid, you know, no one in my family. Um, it's all just so new to me and so exciting. So I'll be interested to hear, you know, the dynamic and, and how that's gone for you. And then, of course, now it's how do we how do we cultivate that in our kids in a way that's not like forced, right? We don't want to be those parents who try to just push the things that we're passionate about into our kids either. But, but of course, as we'll get into, there's a lot of really good reasons to introduce music to your kids and, um, you know, to sort of, uh, cultivate some of that practice, which, yeah, we'll get into that too. That's sort of a recap or a summary, I guess, of what I hope to get into. And before we do just out of curiosity, do your kids, are your kids getting music classes in school? 
Mm. Yeah, actually. So Good, the man. really neat thing that happened is, um, you know, Grace has just loved, loved her music teacher. In fact, I, th- I thought about getting him on the show and maybe maybe we could do that. In a, we as a should because our, our kids love our music teacher, um, too. In this yeah. Show. Yeah. And I'm sure that's so common, right? Because like music teachers are, are kind of a special breed, I, I yeah. imagine, in terms of, you know, what they have to do. I mean, because at elementary school age, it's all about getting kids excited about music, right? It's not as much about the um, teaching of all of the music theory and everything. I mean, I know it's, I know it's that too, but, um, so what happened is she would always tell us how much she, she loved this teacher and, uh, you know, he's just very funny and, and we got to see him in a, like a virtual concert last year. Um, and then my wife, um, uh, I don't know why I said my wife cause you, you <laughs> that was, her. that was a little weird um, yeah. for, for our listeners. I guess occasionally I sprinkle that in. So Beth, so Bethany had posted in her mom's group because you know we've been interested in the idea of Grace taking piano lessons, and so Bethany had posted in her mom's group, um, her like Facebook. You know, most people I'm sure have local kind of mom's groups, and she had asked if if, if anyone knows of any good music teachers, and the wife of this music teacher posted that her husband um, does lessons, and so when we found out that you know Grace's music teacher also does private lessons, it was just like oh my god, we have to. This is awesome, you know. And so we've started with him and it just made it so much easier because she already has a good rapport with him. You know, she's comfortable with him um, and he's able to come to our house once a week now and uh, and do lessons. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. My first serious music teacher was also my elementary school music teacher, too. Because yeah, you I, had I just, said that. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought she was so cool that we got, you know, personal lessons from her, too, just sort of like what you guys are doing. Right. Um but, you know, I, I was I was so I, I do teach music still, even to this day. Sometimes I'll do private tutoring and things I didn't like know that. that. But yeah, but it's it's usually for like, you know, um, college and grad Advanced, students. Kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and that's something that I I actually not only love to do, but I, I'm like, like pretty deeply passionate about it. I and, bet and you're I think, really good at it, too. I think I am really like I do a lot of guest lectures. I have another one coming up and I'm, you know, and uh, for some grad students, like I really love doing that. And I, I really love getting to like help them bring their own voice out and getting to, you know, throw things around with them that are more conceptual and turn them onto other types of music they might not know about and things like that. But I, so that to me, that's like my comfort zone. And that's honestly is what I wanted to do professionally and and might still end up doing at some point is teaching at like the college level, just because that's like a sweet spot for me. Say more about that. What is it that, um, I mean, it sounds so exciting and like, I I just love how even after so many years of, of friendship together, I still learn about basically, you know, Patrick will have like basically a world renowned um, record for doing a certain thing that no, you know, that I don't even know about yet. Right. Like people know him for so many things, I think. And uh, (laughs) this is yet another one, right. Where it's like just on the side, you're, you're a world renowned music teacher. World, Um, world, world famous. Yeah. No, I, 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 I barely do this at this point. Like, I I mean, I, I, (laughs) no, no, but I want to hear more about sometimes to do it. Yeah. But, but what you just said in terms of the passion there, I'm really curious about like, what is it, what is it that, that, um, fuels you i guess is the way of saying it in that in those kinds of uh interactions it's because like there's there's with music in particular there's something beautifully subjective about the experience of both learning it and using it Mm -hmm. right we Mm -hmm. all have these really personal connections to music whether it's what you grew up listening to like when i hear things that my dad used to put on in the car i immediately get 
put back in that moment of time, right? Or if I'm sitting there at the piano late at night with my eyes closed and I'm just like hitting a note, you know, it's like I'm existing at once as that little kid playing that note on the piano and, you know, as this, you know, future adult creating something with it. There's something oh, wonderfully yeah. personal about the ways that we interact with music. Like when you go to a U2 concert, you know, yeah. it feels like a religious experience for you because you're fucking crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right? No, totally. And the time, there's a piece there related to time travel that you're getting at, right? I'm, yes. You know, where it actually puts you back in a, in a moment like no other maybe maybe um uh olfactory senses do as well right but i don't know yeah but you're not gonna sit there and fucking smell shit for two hours (laughs) right like it it does put you in that place oh my god imagine if there was like a market for recreating senses that put you in different places you know like you could just go and buy i suppose the closest thing would be like the fucking yankee candle people are obsessed about candles i know that much yeah so maybe that's a thing but anyway I'm married to one of those people, and yeah. uh, and let me tell you, we have some fucking pumpkin candles going in every room right now. But the, but they're not beautiful. just pumpkin, right? Like no, she's they're like got sage specific... pumpkin spice from yes. the backyard of 1996. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, but anyway, keep go but, on. Yeah. But the the reason why you know obviously there's biological reasons why both sound and smell do that, but of all, but you know for survival, etc. But also. With sound in particular and smell, but we're going to kind of stop talking about it because it sounds gross the more I say it. It's creepy, yeah. It's something that's really abstract because we can't touch it and we can't see it, right? So so the the senses that we rely on for 90% of our waking life, especially in this contemporary work environment where we're basically just like sitting down typing shit all the time, like we are primarily – typing and looking at other people right that's true or we're, or we're primarily culture, like getting our much. kids dressed yeah. and like you know or or um playing soccer outside like we're primarily visual and tactile um but sound is something that we use way more than i think we realize just throughout mm. the day and i think it's something that uh we form a very personal interior relationship with because it means something specific to us because you know two people hear things very differently in a very personal way. So anyway, this is a long way of saying that with teaching music, uh, there's this great journey that you get to go on with the person you're teaching where you get to learn about how they experience sound and you get to mm. learn about like why it touches wow. them the way it does and then help them to like translate that. So I, why I love teaching composition and theory like that so much is because um, I, I end up learning a lot about the ways other people interact with sound and then, and then I get the benefit of using that for myself too. Cause I That's see so with new cool. eyes, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, it's emotionally important for people, I think to learn music, but this is all to say that I, you know, I, I mean, I, I've, I, I don't do very much of this at the moment, but as I've done it periodically since grad school, it's something that, you know, it's always been at a level where people already know the basic, you know, tenets of music theory. So I'm not like teaching so a lot of that stuff. So you've not had the experience of, you know, what we're going to get into too, where, where it's like right. kids, right? But you probably went into it thinking like, I could do that. Exactly. And I can't. <laughs> Spoiler alert is I'm horrible at it. And it's not because I like know too much. It's not because I'm like too advanced for it. It's, it has nothing to do with that at all. It's because it takes a totally different mindset to mm. teach young kids music. Mm-hmm. And that's a mindset that I can't remember because I was so little, like you were saying earlier. And I know we've touched on this in other episodes, especially the music episode. So this might be repeating a little bit, but the long and the short of my personal journey with music was when I was about two, uh, my mom brought me to a Suzuki violin class just because, you know, they were kind of trying different stuff out and they're like, let's see what he likes. Um, and I hadn't like, you know, I didn't have any like amazing early thing where I was like singing with perfect pitch as a fucking infant, you know, I mean, there's you no were two great years origin old, yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> but they were just like, let's, you know, take him to hockey. Let's take him to this, take him to that. 
Um, and I, I really did not do well in that Suzuki class because I could tell other people weren't taking it seriously. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, and I remember that, like, it's one of the first memories that I have is being a two or three year old sitting there and, and watching the moms who had brought other kids talking during the clapping stuff yeah and getting angry about it because i was wow. like how are we supposed to concentrate on the clapping so that was like an early indicator that like i at least took it seriously right oh i love that you know it's so funny because i read um i read a few articles none of which i can credit because honestly none of them were were particularly great like they all little snippets you know that come up but um and one of them mentioned you know it was getting into this idea of like how do you identify whether your kid might be sort of musically inclined or have a gift and one of them was this idea of like taking things, um, taking in this case instruments seriously. Mm-hmm. So like instead of just smashing the piano keys, are they sort of like, you know, they're 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 they recognize that this is something, um, uh, what's the word? Not fragile, but important or like you know you yeah, don't want to just sort of significant. Thank you. And yeah. so I think of that and and your early inclination there to even you know be upset with other people who weren't taking it seriously or, or, you know, right. didn't see the significance to be an asshole as a two year old. You know, I, I, when, when you're saying that I was thinking of Glenn Gould, who's one of the great pianists of the 20th century, he did a lot mm. of like really incredible stuff, especially with Bach. He's pretty famous for that. Um, when he was really young, like when he was that age, um, his parents had a piano in the house and he would, all he would do is just hit one note at a time and just hold it until it would stop sounding and like that was the way that he played piano as a young kid and he would close his eyes and he'd put his head on the piano and rest it there and when he grew up as his parents were like what the fuck is he doing with this piano and when he grew up he was like i was just listening to to the sound i was like so entranced by how much was going on so if you're listening closely as a kid yeah that that's like a good indicator that maybe there's there's something there maybe they have you know some kind of like an innate drive to do it yeah yeah but um, yeah, so so that happened and they didn't bring me back because I didn't like the experience very much. But um, they they got me into this like local um, just down the street church choir as a, as a little kid. And that's kind of what started my singing journey. And then, you know, I got into some early piano lessons from that with the elementary school teacher that I was talking about, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, but by that point, I was already reading music fluently. Like I just wow. at, at, and it happened like right in that phase where my language was developing, you know, in terms of the way I talk. And so my music language, the the vocabulary for music also just sort of happened at some point during that. And I don't remember how, like, I don't remember what that was like. I just knew that, like, I I, I wanted to get the tools in order because I wanted to be able to do stuff with them. So I, and like, that was at, did. like, a first grade-ish? Kindergarten, yeah. Kindergarten. Yeah. That's amazing so, that you would even, you know, have it together enough to – I mean, you didn't articulate it in that way, but, like, that you wanted to have the tools, you know, so that you could – um, understand music or create music. Yeah. That's amazing. It was, it was, it was, I mean, it's weird, you know, but I also, uh, but th- <laughs> Not then surprising I went to the, from you, right. <laughs> I'm a weird person. Uh, I went to the, uh, boys choir after that. And, and that was when I was seven turning eight. And that was when I started getting paid for music. So I would get a, a paycheck and I would have to like perform and rolling you know, in dough contracts sweet, for it. sweet choir money. <laughs> $27 every two weeks was my, that was my starting rate. That's a big deal. For a little kid, that For was a, a big kid? deal. Yeah. Yeah. Then? Um, but it was already a job, this is what is, I'm saying. This you is, know, you know, early that's, 1900s, as we've talked about. That's true. This was just, you know, handwritten money bills that didn't actually come from anything. But yeah, but so it was already a job by that point. So like I, I my amateur quote unquote music career like really stopped when I was seven years old. Like after, since that point, I've, I've sort of had to take it very seriously. Mm, so, interesting. so a lot of the things I was reading as we were talking about the show coming up. 
is saying all these things that I don't think I got as a little kid because I kind of went right to like, I want this to be my life and I'm going to just make it happen. And so I have a list of things that, uh, I wanted to kind of bring up if that's okay as we kind of get into yeah, this conversation. But I really, I think it's it's helpful that you gave that background, right? Because there's something special about you know there are there is some population who and some who maybe will never fully realize that they even have this, or maybe their family won't be able to support it or whatever. But um, you know your your case is sort of specific in that you very early on um were able to go on that path and it became just a, a very serious path and one that actually you were even you know turned professional very early as opposed to what it is what is frequently the case for people where music is more of a hobby or there's no real um there's nothing at stake right i mean i, I can say this right. for myself as a as a student later in life where there's something just like so liberating about being able to do it um entirely for fun and like you know I mean, I'd love for people, to, some people to hear it someday, maybe do like, you know, local farmer's market or something. Yeah, but, but, Porch Fest. Yeah, yeah, Porch Fest will be what I work up to for sure. But, you know, it doesn't matter, right? Like, I, you know, I could just keep playing at home and get so much enjoyment out of it. Um, and that isn't to say that one's better than the other. It's just worth, it's worth noting the difference there. And as you say, you know, the way your journey maybe will look different than like, you know, other people's, obviously. Mm-hmm. And a big part of my journey personally, John, has been trying to cultivate that like amateur mindset again as an adult. Yeah. And, and that's something that like I'm having to kind of wrestle with because I have all this like pride built up, you know? Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. And and it's and it's ridiculous because it's unearned pride. It's just like it's just the thing that I've always cared about. I, what Isn't I, that adulthood, you know, it is in kind general, of adulthood. right? Yeah. I mean, like there's something beautiful about that, what you're describing in that um you know, we all maybe should strive for having a sort of childlike uh, approach to whatever, you know, to anything really. Yeah. Because I mean, it's it gets at that beginner mindset, right? That's a, a more modern way of putting it. But I love the idea of sort of looking at that through a child's eyes or as a student. And um, yeah, no, it's a growth. So exciting a growth mindset. Yes, you know? yes, yes, yes. Totally. And, and that and that I think is something that I think people can take hopefully from this conversation which is that like no matter what your experience level is with anything, there's something to be gained for treating it like it's the first time all over again, mm, right? Mm, yeah. So anyway, I, I went to Solfeggio, which is this like app that does a lot of music pedagogy stuff um, okay. for kids. And they had That's a, a nice list of, yeah, it's, it's solfege.io. So I think like I saw SOL. that one come up and I ignored it, yeah. <laughs> the headline wasn't great. It's a solfeg.io. That's like the website. Got it, go got to. it, got it, got it. But they have like a list of 10 tips for teaching young kids music. And, and they are all things that as I was reading them, I was remembering moments in my early personal educational life where like this had happened and I had kind of forgotten about it. So it was nice to be brought back. To yeah, so I'm going to totally. go ahead and read the list and then we can kind of go through it Let's together it. a little bit. Dissect it. Dissect it. So uh, the first one is let your positive attitude shine through. Second one is incorporate practical engagement. Third so wait, one. Is yeah. this this is for parents who are working with kids, or is this for the kid or for any new new musician? Specifically, kids. This is okay. like if you're a music educator, if you're like a okay, music but teacher in a but this is the school. advice to the educator, not to the kid, is what I was getting at, or to the right, student. Okay, right. got it. Yeah, got it, got exactly, it. exactly. Okay. Um, so there's uh, so practical engagement. Um, three is keep boredom at bay by using a variety of tasks. Mm. Four is teach music your students like and can relate to. Five, technology is the 21st century teacher's best friend. Six, encourage your pupils to interact with each other. Seven, be aware of your students' differing skill levels. Eight, 
creativity is a powerful teaching tool. Nine, perform to an online audience. And 10, teaching music through games is more fun. So that's kind of a list of, of high-level things that seem to work well for teaching kids. But I, I guess before we even go through that, how is Grace doing with her, mm. you know, early journey? Like, where, where are you guys at with that right now? Yeah. Um. Well, I have to say, hearing that list, it was like some of them were like, well, yeah, no shit. Like, you know, duh. Like, make it fun. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah. we'll get back to that. Make it boring. Yeah, exactly. Um. No, you know, it's, it's so interesting because... Um, Part of the reason that I was so excited about learning guitar and and like really going deep in terms of practicing all the time is just the idea of having it um, around, having it in the house and them seeing me do something like that and having a beginner mindset or a growth mindset would be the kind of modeling that I want to do, right? So I wanted that to sort of be a backdrop. Um, I also, you know, I loved that we had the piano and so just like having instruments around, I hope would sort of um, create the right environment. And so Grace, it's interesting. Um, a few things happened. You know, one is uh, the, we tried drums because I had this experience at a guitar center where um, the kids were having to wait for me uh, <laughs> as I was looking at something for, I don't even remember what it was, uh, probably an amplifier um, for my guitar. And they were in the drum section and they were just like having so much fun. And Grace, I noticed when she was drumming, like she was really keeping a nice rhythm. Someone commented, you know, maybe they, were just, maybe they were just being kind. I don't know. But they were like, how long has she been, you know, taking drum lessons? And I was like, she's she's never taken any lessons. Wow. Um, so I thought there might be something there. And so, you know, I thought it'd be fun. Uh, I just um, I kept an eye on Marketplace, Facebook Marketplace, and I got a used set of drums for her um, for her birthday. And I think I shared. I can't remember if I shared on the show, but, you know, it was it was a. Uh, an interesting one where she was actually kind of disappointed. Like she, that wasn't something she necessarily <laughs> wanted to keep doing. It was just, you know, in that moment. And so I think, uh, I, I was, I was really proud of her for being honest and being like, you know, I kind of wanted, it, I, I would, didn't want to let you down. So she acted excited about the gift, but she did, wasn't necessarily super into it, mm -hmm. which was fine. And we've just sort of, you know, they're in the basement, which is where I usually practice guitar. And, um, and so that said, she actually did, you know, practice every now and then. And, and she, and she really enjoyed it. And so like we learned, um, seven nation army by the white stripes and had so much fun. And like, I say learned, she listened to it a couple times and then we like practiced it a few times. Like it was nothing intense. And then we did a video and it was just, you could see that she was really clicking into a rhythm and like finding her way pretty easily. So that was one part that happened. And then the other is, you know, with piano, she was she was starting to be interested. She'd pass it in, play a note or, you know, just like kind of spend a little time with it. Um, and then Bethany taught her Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, a classic, you know, very simple song that she could do. And she would do that and really enjoy it. And so we're like, all right, maybe, you know, maybe she's ready for, for real lessons. And so, of course, I shared the story about the music teacher. And that was like when it clicked, it was like, yes, you know, this is a, a great way, a great time to, to introduce her to it. Right. Um, the other thing I should add is, you know, she's always, always like humming a song or just singing um, as she's coloring or doing something. And not only is she is she doing that, but she's doing it, you know, exactly um, what's the, I don't know how to even say this in musical terms. Like she's doing she's doing the right. Um, it's not the right notes. What am I trying to say? It's yeah, like the right pitch, the right. Yeah, it's the rhythm, right pitch. Yeah. So the interval right. intervals that she's singing are correct, like the right. notes up and down, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I still don't know. You know, I still don't have command of the musical language around all this stuff, but she she was really she's able much better than i right if she heard a song she can sing it and be like 
almost perfect pitch. Right. Um, and it's so, which is pretty cool. Right. And I, again, this is like so foreign to me who has to really work at it. Um, and I've been doing, you know, um, ear training, um, as part of my guitar journey too, to try to get better at this. And I, I, I'm, I'm definitely, um, progressing, which is really exciting, but it doesn't yeah. come as natural as I think it does to grace. So anyway, well, she's, in, she's in the age. So, but don't, don't be hard on yourself for that because she's in the age where she's assigning meaning to phonemes as she's mm. learning new words. And it's the same thing with music. Like she's assigning that, that so much pitch sense. to like a spot in her brain, you know? Yes. So, yes, so yes. it's just, that's what happened to me too. It's, it's a lot easier when you're little because your brain's so plastic. You know? that, so, that makes a ton of sense. And, yeah. and I'm really, I have been easy on myself, but you're right to call that out. Right. Cause I think it's so easy as a late student to just to be a lot more hard on yourself and judge. And it gets at what you were describing in terms of, you know, having an ego about it too. Even if you haven't practiced that thing before, you're an adult, right? So there's some part of you that maybe isn't okay with sucking at something. Yeah. Um, where, you know, for me, I've, I've honestly embraced that and I've, I found so much fun in just like seeing your progress, you know, maybe not day to day, but like week to week. And so with well, Grace- as, as Jake yeah. from Adventure Time famously says, <laughs> sucking at something is the first step to being great at it. Right? No. I mean, it's, it's so a, obvious. It's important to remember that. It is. And like we would tell our kids this, but do we tell ourselves that, right? As adults, probably not. Not most of us, I don't think. Um, so Grace started doing the lessons and as expected, like, you know, it's not like uh, she's all of a sudden just like, you know, mastering it and um, playing all the time or anything. I mean, she she enjoyed the lessons. She was started out very excited, um, but then, you know, didn't really want to practice. And each lesson she for a few lessons she started to get like less interested because it would it was becoming more of like a thing she had to do to practice and so she was starting to like stray a little bit and say she didn't want to do it um but then we've actually the last couple of weeks gotten into a really good routine where bethany who can play piano and started at a very young age as well um has been practicing with her and now that grace even sees a little bit of progress right feels like she's actually getting better she really is enjoying it and so we're, we're trying to ride that and you know we don't want to sort of set too high expectations in terms of her keeping interest like it's okay if she doesn't but so far it's been really neat to see um her feel some of that you know satisfaction of of learning as opposed to what i also see which is like incredible frustration right she wants to be able to just do it mm -hmm. um so that's yeah probably more detail than you asked for but there you go no it's not that's exactly what what i what i asked for i'm, I'm looking at the list of things to, to see what uh what might have come up there I, I think one of the things that's working it sounds like is that you're letting your positive attitude shine through with her where you're treating it like it's just a good thing right yes yes like it's just a cool fun thing it's not a chore that, right yeah. No. And if that drum set stays in the basement and nobody plays it, then yeah. like, that's okay. Like exactly. it was a waste of money, but like whatever, that happens all the time. You know? Right. That's why I if bought she, a used one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and if, and you can always sell it back again, you know? Exactly. And, and even if she doesn't uh, like take off and do this, you know, as a, as like a, a real interest, at least she got the experience of learning in the first place, you know? And yes. that's something that I know I struggle with a little bit because that like early positive attitude phase for me felt like it became something serious quickly where I was yeah. kind of expected to be good at, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, to me, that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing for any area of study, but especially with something like music. And I think it gets at something that is such an argument for keeping music in the curricula for schools, which is that like, yeah, a lot of the times people say, why are we teaching kids this? It's not like they're all going to be musicians when they grow up. You know, like it's like, why don't we swap it for like another programming course? Or why don't we swap it for like teaching kids, you know, Mandarin or something? Yeah. Um, 
But the what's great about music is that you can't get good at it unless you form a personal relationship with the way that you're learning it, right? Mm. So like for Grace, the way that she's learning it is partly through just humming tunes from Moana around the house all the time. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's partly through watching her dad learn guitar and thinking, oh, it'd be fun to, to learn a song to play with him. She hates those, when I practice. Both she, kids. she does. She locks the door. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's those moments of like, of she, she is observing something complicated and saying yes. like, I want to try a piece of that. And there's something about learning that as a young kid that I think can set you up to learn a lot of other things really well too, because like nobody comes out of the womb, even Mozart sucked at piano in the beginning of it. Right. Like nobody starts knowing all of this, but when you're a little kid and you're exposed to a music class where there's this experiential component, then everybody picks it up together and they try uncomfortable things out together and they get better at it and uh so yeah so i think that you're doing a good job of cultivating the mindset you know oh and i think there's plenty of research specifically about learning music or playing music um and how you know the impact on your brain um none of which i've read right i've only ever read headlines um and blurbs (laughs) so you know i can't actually speak to it but i know there's a lot of research it's out there Um, it is out there and i believe it um, although it's fair, you know, also worth noting, actually, Bethany even had done, I remember in, in her, um, master's degree, I think she had done a little, um, research on the Mozart effect and the sort of like, you know, how that was just this overblown thing based on a little bit of research. And all of a sudden everybody's like playing Mozart for their kids. Right. Um, in, in utero and all of this other garbage, um, which, I mean, it's fine. Like it's not going to do bad, but, um, that was a classic, you know, let's take a little bit of research and blow it out in the media into this thing that everybody has to do. Whereas, you know, I think the real um, positive impact on your brain is through the actual um, cultivating, you know, music in different ways, whether it's listening or or practicing. It's not simply just like having it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I will say there's something about music from like Mozart's period, like the classical period that does help. I think oh, with oh, some of that. Oh, of course. No, no, but what I'm saying is like there there was all this thinking that, you know, if we just play classical music that will make yeah. us smarter, you know, yeah. like if we play <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Um and it was just And people still direct... talk about that. There's still yeah. playlists all over Apple Music where it's like brain food playlists. Yes, yes, know? yes, yeah, exactly, great. yeah. But uh but what what works well with music like that is because it's so pattern intensive you form like a little bit of a dialogue with it. So even if you don't have like the technical background to know why you're having a dialogue with it, your brain knows like, okay, this is setting up a new, a new key. Like, you, you know, that this is the, the dominant of a new key area. So here comes the bomb, bomb, you know, and you you, ex- you anticipate it. And then when it happens, you're like, Oh, cool. I'm seeing the patterns in this music. I'm seeing how it works. I think that's why that music it works well for little kids. But I do have to say though, was that the fourth interval that you just did? Bump. Yeah, that was a fourth. You're right. Ah. Yeah. How did you know that? Did you do the Here Comes the Bride? <laughs> no, for me, it's um, Amazing Grace, uh, which, uh, you know, which worked out that way. But, yeah. um, you know, having that reference, I guess that's something that everybody does, right? I wasn't sure if that if having a reference point or a song is, you know, how everyone does that or not everyone, but I'm sure someone like you, you don't need a reference anymore. But having a reference point to understand intervals, you know, so like the oh, Star yeah. Wars song is the fifth interval that you... Anyway, that, that's a bit of an aside, but I was just pleased with myself for being able to recognize it. <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah, you, you, you did. Yeah, And that uh, kind of mnemonic stuff comes in really handy. 
But uh, I, there's another note in this list that I think is we're speaking to right now a little bit, which is teach music your students like and can relate to. Yes. So that's something that I did not get when I was a kid. Like the 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 shit that I was playing in my earliest piano lessons was just like the worst bottom of the barrel, like <laughs> dum, buka, dum, buka, dum, buka, like just like such shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And we'd be like, it's recital time. Let's pick a piece. And I'd like open my like garbage book and it's like, you know, like my favorite toy is a top from you know the zoo and i'm like what is this so this song is shit you know yeah and then it just and then it becomes just like okay well i'm gonna play it anyway whereas um you know with with my kids the music that they respond to the most creatively is almost always um synth driven it it's, mm. will open up you know like a software synthesizer on my laptop and on my ipad you know, and we'll sit, we'll sit together and we'll make little loops that repeat. And that, it sounds like That's the music so that they fun. like to listen to. Yeah. And it's something that you can do without reading and knowing a lot of theory. And, uh, you know, just fire up GarageBand and it, it, it sounds like stuff that they recognize. And so that's that's a nice way to make kids feel like it's something that applies to them totally. as opposed to these like random people hundreds of years ago. Well, know? and related to that, I had read that, you know, it, it's a good idea to get kids into actually playing songs early on before you worry too much about reading music and the theory part. Because mm-hmm. and similarly for me, this was super helpful. And I've been doing this great. I'll definitely plug Justin Guitar as this amazing um, teacher online who's been doing this for you know over a decade um, these video lessons that are at your own pace and he's big into this idea of like definitely he teaches the theory but you gotta you gotta make it fun right and and having those early songs that you can pick up and that you enjoy playing just gives you motivation to keep going right so you have to I think with kids too like if you just jump in right with theory and how to read that's just that's gonna turn off a lot of kids right it is, but I do have to say though, it's worth it's worth incorporating that from the beginning, I think, because yes. something that's weird with music and, and that I don't really notice with other pursuits is there's almost this like pride factor where people are like, Oh, he can't read music and yet, you know, and yet look what he's yeah, done. Yeah, or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right, right, or like, you know, yeah, like, but I'm always amazing. like, imagine if he could, you know. That's like, what I'm thinking too. Yeah, it's just yeah, like, it's yeah. just like a different way to understand it. That being said though, there's passive versus active learning, right? So it's much more passive to learn something by rote, by being told, you know, like this is, this is, you know, this is what the clef is. This is what the notes are. This is the order of events. This is what right, a melody looks right. like. You write it down. Let's memorize this. Now tell me, you know, does every good boy deserve fudge? You know, <laughs> give me the mnemonic, right? Like that kind of thing to me is completely just, it's like teaching by the book in a, in the most reductive way possible. So if, if that's like kids only exposure to it, then uh, unless you're like me and you're a kid who just was super serious for some reason about it from an early age, you're going to tune right out. Exactly. Right? And I think, but, yeah, that's probably a lot of people's, you know, uh, their memory of, of music class. Right. Whereas another, you know, number eight on this list is creativity is a powerful teaching tool. To me, that's like a great example of of this is is it's like, you know, give kids the ability to like listen and play something back by ear that they care about, that they want to learn because it's fun. Um, And then they feel like they're being creative and they're generating it. It's a very active learning experience. So if you can at once learn the tools of the trade from the inside, but also learn the application of it from your personal perspective at the same time, then it sticks. You know, it it gets lodged in that place in your mind where uh, it feels personal, like I was talking about. Oh, my God. It makes so much sense. And and definitely I've seen in in Grace's piano lessons that – um, right from the get-go, you know, they're teaching her the how to read music in addition. But it's not, as you say, like it's not in this rote way and it's not a ton up front. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of integrated, right? Which makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I almost feel like we could do a part two on this. I think we de- we certainly could. Do you want to get, because there's, there's actually, I'm thinking specifically about 
improv being mm. a really great way to teach kids music too. I want you to teach me music. That's what we could this do. This is becoming a tutoring course <laughs> at this point. No, but I, I, why don't we table this and come back to it uh, for our next episode and, and kind of explore some other ways that kids can learn this stuff. I'm sure we'll have even more to share as uh, we go on this journey. Does that sound good? Because the yeah. piano tuner is about to show up and I'm getting nervous. He's going to have a piano to- tuner, tuner, not tutor. That's, well, we'll see. Maybe he's both. You know, what are what I'm are your kids gonna, gonna? Is your hope or or are you working towards um, the kids playing piano or are there, is there any interest there? There, there's there's a little bit. You know, like they they like learning some tunes and they and I, I try to get them to like jam with me. Yeah, yeah Sometimes, yeah. but it still feels very much like it's sort of daddy's thing, and I, I don't right. want it to because no. it's it's not. You got to be hands off about it, right? I mean, yeah. You see, yeah. And when, right. I, when I have taught them in the past, of course, this is something that comes up periodically, and you know, we'll put it on the calendar and it'll be like, okay, it's time for music lessons. And then it just like doesn't because I'm their dad for one thing, but also because I just I, I'm like not good with that early pedagogy stuff. It you know I, I come at it with this positive attitude and with this whole like you know like let's explore together, and then I'm I like kind of immediately pivot to like why aren't you taking it more seriously? Slapping and I'm like, their hands, yeah, <laughs> with a ruler, yeah. So yeah, I have a lot of work to do, but hopefully through this uh, couple episodes, I can learn something too. You know, that will be the goal to teach yeah. you something about music. How That's what I'm here music. for. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Well, we'll check in again. See ya. See ya. Bye.